Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning, church. Our scripture for today is Romans 7, 13 through 25, which is on page 943 in the Bible in front of you. Go ahead and grab a Bible if you don't have one. My name is Grant the Makerly, and I serve on the worship arts team um, through the AVL, a group in the back there. Uh, my wife, Tara, and I have been covenant members at the Door Church for about four years now. We have a 14-month-old who's in the little door right now, and we're extremely thankful for the community we found here at TDC. Once again, we'll be in Romans 7, 13 through 25, and you can read along on page 943. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now I do what I do not want. I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now... Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lives close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is God's word. Praise be to God. Good morning, my name is Mark McPherson, I'm a student minister here at the Door Church and privileged to be on our preaching team. Uh, today we are in our Justify series in the book of Romans, we're actually going to finish our sermon series today. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up the book of Romans here in chapter 7. Uh, we chose to do one through seven because it nails home justification, uh, which was, is what our heart was to always be preaching is that Christ justifies us. So we're going to be done with uh, the book of Romans today. Uh, next week, we're starting a new mini sermon series called The Household of God, uh, where we're going to talk about what it is to be a family uh, in the house of God and what that means for our marriages and what that means for us uh, who are single. Uh, and then uh, after that, in the summer, we're going to be moving into the book of Psalms uh, in the Psalter for the summer. And so uh, I'm excited for all that, that God has for us moving forward. Uh, and just another quick announcement, if, if God is calling you to uh, join this family, uh, and this is uh, a place that you've been coming and you feel like God is, is drawing you to be a covenant member here at 1030, we're going to have a membership class in the North Classroom. Uh, so you're free to attend that. Or if you just want to get to know more about TDC, go check us out. Uh, Paul's going to be leading that out and, and just talking about TDC, uh, what we believe and, and why we believe it. And so uh, that will be in the North Classroom at 1030. Um, 
I'm excited to get into this text, though. It is, it is, it is Paul talking like a madman. So, it, it, you know, as I try to put this text on this week, you know, as I get into this first point, just allow me to be crazy that's, because Paul is talking crazy. So I'm going to have to talk crazy for a little bit. So just bear with me. Uh, as, I, as I was going through this text, it just reminded me of like when I was a kid. When I was a kid, my grandpa had a, a pool table, and I would always play pool by myself. I didn't want to play with other people. I just wanted to play by myself. And when I did, I played very seriously stripes versus solids. And so I would, you know, when it's stripes turn, I was, I'm, I'm trying to just, everything is for the stripes. And I, I, if I made it, I kept going, and it was stripes. But if I missed, it was honestly now going to be solids. And I would switch, and I'd be on solids, and I'd be playing for solids. And so it, it, it's crazy. As a kid, this is how I played. Uh, and I was very serious to play by myself and be, be honest and, and play for stripes when it was for stripes and play for solids for when it was solids. And what it taught me was that, you know, Every time I play this game, I'm going to win. And every time I play this game, we're going to lose. And that's kind of what our text is like this morning. The sermon title this morning is Thanks Be to God. And I want to look at uh, the law in such a special way, how, how Paul is using the word law here and how he's teaching it to us in three ways. I want, I want to look at the principle of the law. I want to look at the power of the law. And I want to look at the perfection of the law. The principle of the law, the power of the law, and the perfection of the law. Before we get into God's word, please pray with me. Father, you are so good. Father, let our hearts just be centered around you this morning. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes this morning to, to show us that you're here in our midst. God, I pray we would just feel your presence so close this morning. I pray that uh, the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. God, I pray that you would just come to, to, to just convict us and to conform us in the image of Christ and to comfort us in his name. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Patsy Cline sings a song called Crazy. It's from the 1960s. And you might not know it when I say Patsy Cline, but you know it when you hear it. It's very famous. She sings this song and she says, I'm crazy. Crazy for thinking that my love could hold you. You probably will know it when I, when I read these next lyrics. She says, I'm crazy for trying and crazy for crying. You know that song? That old song. I'm crazy for trying. Crazy for crying. And I'm crazy for loving you. Are you crazy loving Jesus? Do you feel crazy loving Jesus? Do you feel crazy? Do you, do you feel crazy for trying so hard for loving Jesus? And do you feel crazy trying to hold on to Jesus? Are you crazy for loving him? Are you crazy yet? That's, that's the principle of the law. That's the first point, the principle of the law. In verses 13 through 21, Paul is showing us this duality within himself. He, he's showing us this crazy splitness. Do you have that experience? Is that you this morning? Do you feel in your life that you're experiencing the same warfare that Paul is experiencing in this text? In layman's terms, like, do you feel like a cuckoo Christian? Like, do you feel crazy? Is, 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 like, 
when Paul speaks, I'm like, I feel you, dog. I feel you. I feel crazy sometimes. This is what Paul is trying to show us. See, in, in chapter 7, Paul has been showing us his conversion story clearly in verses 7 through 12. He's showing us that as the law came to him, it slew him. And this is how he came to Christ. He realized that he was a sinner. But now as he's moving in to verses 13 through uh, uh, really 25 at the very end of the, uh, of the chapter, what Paul is trying to show us is his spiritual reality now. In verse 14, he says, I am sold. He's, he's talking about in verse 14, I, I, he, says, he says, I am of the flesh, sold under sin. And so Paul's talking about his present reality. He's talking about, this is not what I was, but this is what I am now. He's talking about his spiritual reality now. He's talking about his walk in the Christian life. And Paul has been showing us in the book of Romans that we've been justified by what Jesus Christ has done. We've been brought into right relationship to God through Jesus Christ, we've been set free from the dominion of, of sin and the law. We've been set free from their dominion over us. And yet he's been trying to flesh out in the last part of chapter 7 that the law is still good, but sin is still at work. But yet we are free from both. And I love, I just love this. I love the honesty of the Apostle Paul. In verse 13, he's showing us here, he says, it was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And so what Paul is trying to say is like, the law is exposing us for our sin. The law is showing us that we're broken. And it's not the law that was producing death in us. The law was just showing us that there's sin within us producing death in us. There's sin in us that is, that is killing us, bringing these little D deaths, if you will. Obviously, our big capital D death when we go into the grave, but every time we, we suffer in a way of anxiety or we're, we're trying to control our lives, all these little deaths that we experience come from sin. But he's like, the law is great. And the law brings flourishing. It's a great thing. He's trying to, trying to get our minds to realize that the law doesn't condemn you. Sin doesn't have power over you. It doesn't have dominion. But he's trying to show us that that doesn't make the law and the sin equal. The, the, the law is great, but sin is obviously evil and brings death. In verse 14, he moves on and he says that the law is spiritual. The law is spiritual. He says, but I am of the flesh. See, this is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That the law is something that is, is beautiful, but we need the Spirit of God to see its beauty. The law is great. Yes, the law is the, the Ten Commandments. It shows us that we're broken. It shows us that we're dying. It shows us that how we transgress against God. And so it shows us how we are evil, but that doesn't make the law, the law bad. It makes the law beautiful by the Spirit because the Spirit's going to show us how we're broken. But the Spirit's also going to show us how good the law is. It's going to show us how we don't keep the law. See, we need the Spirit's help. The Spirit is like a, uh, the Spirit comes and breaks, brings the law to, to us like an x-ray. The x-ray shows us that we're broken. It shows us that we're broken. And just like if you were trying to rub an x-ray on your broken arm, it's not going to heal you. You can't rub an x-ray on your broken arm and expect it to heal you. The x-ray just shows you that you're broken. But an x-ray is good. It brings clarity. It shows us that we're broken. And we can't rub that x-ray on our arm to make us better. That's not how it's going to work. 
See, in verse 15, Paul continues on, and he's saying, he says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. I do the very thing I hate. What Paul's trying to say is, I have no capability of living up to this law. Just as an x-ray has no ability to heal your arm if you rub it against your arm, it has no ability. We have no capability to live up to this law. And what's happening is that Paul's trying to get us to understand that if you're walking by the Spirit of God and the flesh in you is still, is still in sinful actions because it can't live out the law, we should be living a life of spiritual frustration. There's a spiritual frustration of knowing good and how beautiful it is and doing evil. There's a spiritual frustration. And I don't know if you've experienced this. Have you had that out-of-body replay of your sin? Have you had that moment like, where, you're, where you're looking at yourself going, why in the world would I say that? Why did I do that? That was so wicked. What was I thinking? So we know what's good. And yet we're doing evil. Why would I do that? I mean, I have those moments probably like once a day with my wife. Like once a day, I'm like, why did I say that? Why, why would I treat her that way? And there's moments I think that stick out to me in my life where I just, I mean, almost like a couple months ago, I, I said something about a friend that I shouldn't have said. And, and I look back on it and it, it really hurt me. It really, and I'm not saying I didn't hurt him. I hurt him, but I'm just saying, I can't believe I did that. And it, and it stinks. And I hate that for myself. I hate it. Have you had those moments, those out-of-body replays, where you look back and go, what, what was that? Why would I act this way? See, this is the craziness of the Christian. There's an inner warfare happening. There's, there's, there's a tension within you. There's a frustration within you. It's the spirit versus the flesh. Paul says this in Galatians 5, verse 17. He says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, what's happening in the hearts of a Christian is kind of what happens in war. Where If Christ has truly moved into your life and moved into your heart, there's a victory that's happened. There's a victory. There's, the, the war is over. Christ is king, and he's the king of your heart, and there's a victory. But yet, just like in like World War II, there's victory has been declared, but yet there's battleground still active. There's still war happening. There's still battle happening, and we have to go, and we have to confront those people that, hey, hey, I, I don't want to fight with you because the war is already over. But if we have to go to battle, we have to go to battle. And that's what's happening in our lives right now is that there's been victory declared and yet there's still battles to be fought because our flesh is not giving up. But the Spirit of God does not give up either. We are in warfare. We're in warfare. We're in tension. We're in spiritual frustration. And I love this. I love the way Paul speaks here in verses 16 through 17. He, he, he says, now if I do... Where I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So Paul's like, when I sin, I realize how good the law is. And then verse 17, he says, so now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And this is, this is like, and I want to I speak with reverence, but Paul has like a, a spiritual just bravado about him that I, I absolutely love. Paul is saying, he, he's saying, you know, I sin and I know that the law is good. And when I sin, 
It's no longer I who do it, but sin that does it within me. I mean, Paul is, is so secure in who he is in Christ Jesus. He's so secure in who the king is that he says, I don't even want to sin. And you know what? I don't even sin. I don't do it. It's sin within me. That's, that's Paul speaking through a Christ-centered identity. That, that is beautiful language. I mean, that is, that, that's, it's, it's harsh to hear. Paul's saying like, like, that's not even me. I'm in Christ. So when this happens, that's not even who I am anymore. That is not me. That's sin within me carrying out this sin. Paul is in Christ and by the Spirit, he knows that the law is going to expose his sin. And he knows that the law is good and he's like, I'm not identifying with my sin. That's not me. It's this beautiful anchoredness. He's just anchored in his identity. It's, it's a beautiful splitness of saying, I do these things that I hate, but that's not me. This is what I try, try to tell our students all the time. It's, it's not what we do. It's, it's, it's who I be. It's who I am. This is, Paul's like, this is who I am. And for us this morning, we have to follow Paul in this Christ-centered identity to speak this way over ourselves. But it can only happen if we walk through verses 18 through 19. We have to walk through this language. If we're going to speak with a Christ-centered identity, to even say that our sin is not us, we have to be able to say what Paul says in verse 18 when he says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Can you honestly say that this morning? That nothing good dwells in me. That is so harsh to our ears. I struggled with that all this week. Nothing, nothing, God, nothing, nothing good dwells in me. Can you live that out this morning? Can you honestly say that about yourself? Can you honestly reflect on your life and say that every good thing about me, in me, that's happened through me, that God has given, has come down from him? Every good gift comes from the Father of lights. That every good thing comes from him, comes down from him, and everything I have and everything I do and everything I am, I should give back to him with all credit and all praise. Every good thing comes from him and every wicked thought and every wicked deed is only rising from the depths of my depravity in my heart. That all wickedness is coming from the depths and the depravity within me. See, there's the tension that as, as our wicked hearts are, are bringing up polluted waters, are bringing up waters of poison, a, a well of poison within our hearts, as our hearts are bringing up negative, polluted waters, Waters, the, the Spirit of God wants to rain down rivers of living water, and there is the tension. There is where they clash. Our spirit and the flesh are waging war against one another. And, and this is the truth of our Christian experience is that there's a battleground happening in our hearts. There's a battleground happening. And we should look crazy. We should be crazy people. Verse 19 says, Paul says, Paul says, for the I do not do. Uh, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Can you, can you, can you come to the point and know that, 
that out of you is coming evil. Because I think it's so easy to look in our world and be like, yeah, there's evil in our world. There's evil in your heart. There's evil flowing out of us. With the same heart, with our same tongue, we bless the Lord. And with that very same heart, that very same tongue, we curse others made in his likeness, says James. There's a tension within us. There's a wrestle within us. There's a frustration within us. Either we are split, we are split people by the Spirit of God. Or my fear is that we still walk with a heart of stone. Either we are cuckoo Christians... Or we are people walking with hearts of stone, lying to ourselves. We do everything possible to hide our heart of stone. That's why the law is so good is because it exposes our heart of stone. And in our world, we'll do everything to hide a heart of stone. Like we are trying to hide this heart of stone. Like we will do anything possible not to experience the frustration, not to experience the tension. We want to hide it. Our world is about hiding the heart of stone. Like, listen to our world. What will liberals tell you? Liberals will tell you that if we want to fix our world, we need better education, we need better jobs, we need social reform. We just got to fix everybody, fix all the systems and all the structures, and we're going to have this utopia. What will conservatives tell you? Conservatives will tell you we just we need, need to have more severe punishment. We need to have higher rewards for people who do good things. We really need to clamp down. And conservatives always end up talking about Chicago. It's just that's what they do. Just we gotta get we gotta get to Chicago. We gotta fix Chicago. And, and, and you know what? It's the same thing with therapy. Like therapy right now is the new priest of our age. And people love going to therapy. Therapy will tell you. All of the causes of your problems. What's going on in your life? Let me tell you something. Liberals ain't bad. I like some liberal stuff. Conservatives ain't bad. I like, I like some conservative stuff. Therapy ain't bad. There's really good Christian counseling out there. At men's retreat, people were talking about, I'm like, yes and amen. There's some beautiful Christian counseling out there. Yes, therapy ain't bad. Liberals, conservatives, therapy won't tell you that you're evil. They won't tell you that you're evil. They won't look down into the depths of the polluted waters in their very heart. They won't acknowledge that within you there's a Dr. Jekyll and a, and, and a Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is like the 1940s version of the Hulk for you younger people. Scientist, monster on the inside. See, see, that's the truth of what Paul is saying. And, and Robert Louis Stevenson, who wrote uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, is saying, he said something in there I just love. He says, the man is not truly one, but truly two. And that's the heart of the Christian, that we are truly two. There's two of us in there wrestling for this space. But I, I, I'm wondering, do you really experience that yet? Are you feeling that yet? Are you crazy yet? Do you feel there's two of you in there wrestling for time, wrestling for space? Do you have that wrestle yet? Do you have that craziness yet? Can you see both sides of yourself? Because if you can't, there might be a heart of stone in there. You might be under the law. But if you do feel crazy, if you're like me and you feel crazy, Galatians 5.18 says this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. See, under the law, there's condemnation and there's failure. There's Mr. Hyde poking out, showing you your evilness. But in Christ, oh, there's fruit. And there's righteousness. Galatians 5.25 says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. See, we are going to live a life, a Christian life, of waging war against sin, but not through our willpower, not through the things that we can control. We wage war against sin in our life through repentance. Through coming to him and saying, we are broken. There's nothing good that dwells within me. And I wage war against my sin by praising him for every good gift that I have. I wage war by anchoring myself to Christ Jesus, saying, this is who I am. I'm hidden in Christ. And I wage war by letting the Spirit speak over me and say that anyone that is in Christ is a new creation. That every good deed I do, I praise and give him credit for. Every gift that he's given me, I give praise and I give him credit for. That everything that I've ever done that Christ has worked in is Galatians 2.20. That says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. See, here's the splitness. Here's the principle of the law. That he's in there. And we're going to look crazy. And that's okay. Because verse 21 says, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. See, that's the principle of the law. Paul uses the word law right there. I find it to be a law. I find it to be a law. I find it to be a principle. I find it to be a fact that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. See, the principle of the law is the dualism of the heart, that the heart is split and there's a wrestling happening, happening within our hearts. You feel crazy this morning. If you do, I'm praying you see the beauty of the power of the law. The power of the law. Verses 22 through 24, Paul is showing us this beautiful power of the law. That, that our heart is a battleground for the, our deepest desires. And my question is, what is your deepest desire? Is it to fight God that you might keep and hold on to sinful passions? Or is it to wage war against sinful passions and know that God is making you in the image of his son? Where's the battleground? What's the true motive of your heart there? Is it I want to be more like Christ or is it I want to do what I want to do and God's waging war against me? Is his way your deepest desire? Is his way your deepest desire? It's really easy to, to really discern in your life. Just ask yourself this. Is following God fun? Is it joyful? Is there true happiness there? Following him. See, this is what I love. I love what Paul says here in verse 22. He says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. In my inner being. He continues on in verse 23. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. And so Paul's now using the word law as, as an influence. He says, I see in my members another influence, another influential power. Another influence is waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells within me. See, he's talking about that splitness, but he's saying that the power of the law 
is that it's beautiful to you by the Spirit of God. That influential power is the Holy Spirit showing you that the law is powerful and it's beautiful and it's good. And Paul is saying, this is where I delighted in my inner being. The true power and influential power of the law is that the character of God is beautiful. It's a, God is beautiful. That's a, that's a Psalm 119 heart. Like, I can't read all of Psalm 119. I can't even pick a passage this week. I, I'm like, I got nothing to throw up on the screen. Because it's so long. It's the center of your Bible. It's like the dead middle of your Bible. You just open your Bible, you probably end up there. It's long, and every, every person in there is like, I love God's rules. I love his statues. Because it's good. It's the Spirit of God. Who shows you and discerns the law that is beautiful. Psalm 1.3 says, He is a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in, in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. That's the man who meditates on the law day and night. Like the law, the law changes who we are in such a beautiful way when we walk by the Spirit in accordance with how we have been created as we praise the Creator. Like, the law is great. I hope we never miss that. Like, when, when Scott read it through the Ten Commandments the, the, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, that is so good. I want to live that way. I don't want to covet. I want to have contentment. I want to be able to go on social media and honestly just go, hey, man, good for you. Like, my heart doesn't do that. But I want that. I want to just be able to say, wow, good for you. And not covet. I want to be able to look at my life and say, you know what? I long to tell the truth. I long to tell the truth. I hate having a file cabinet of lies in my mind that I have to go and shuffle through. When I keep this lie, I tell this lie, I got to make sure I tell this lie to the right person. I hate that. I want to be able to just speak the truth at all times. How stress-free our lives would be. I want to be able to give. I don't want to steal. I don't, I, I don't want to be able to give. I never want to be able to walk. I want to walk around just giving. Just take it. Just, I just want to give it away. I don't want to walk around guilty with red hands and get caught red-handed. I, I, I want to be faithful to my wife. I never want to have eyes for anybody else. I just want to be faithful. And like, think how good that is. Like, that I just want to have a more passionate relationship with her. Just by, just by keeping my eyes always focused on her. I, I, I want to be able to, to speak life. I don't want to murder people with my words. I don't want to tear people down. I just want to always have an opportunity to build you up. Like how beautiful that is. That's just, that's how beautiful. I mean, if you met that person, you'd be like, that's a good guy. I want to hang out with him. That's a great guy. That's a great lady. And I want that vertical relationship. I want to be able to keep the Sabbath. I want to rest in his victory for me. I just want to rest and not be so anxious all the time. I want to just know, God, you are in control. I want to praise his name. There's no other name by which men can be saved. And I want to praise his name everywhere I go. And I wish I was more evangelistic. And I wish I was cuckoo crazy out there on the streets talking about Jesus all the time because there's no other name. There is no other name. I, I, I want to be able to say that there's nothing in my life that can suffice. No idol. There's no thing I can cling on to that's going to give me life like you give me life. There's no other God that saves but our God. There's no other God that pulls me out of Egypt like you pulled me out of my sin and my debauchery and my addiction and my weaknesses. There's no other God that had the ability to pull me out of a jail cell and change my life. There's no other God. I want to remember that every day of my life. And I want to walk in the beauty of that law. 
I want to obey him. And here's what I think we miss sometimes. Look, look at John 14, verse 21. It says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This isn't that you, you follow and, co- and obey commandments that you might be saved. No, this is someone who's in relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says, when you follow my commandments, I manifest myself to you. Do you know what that is? That's like the most craziest. I, as a, as a, a licentious guy who, who came to true life in the gospel, I always thought you met Jesus through repentance and, and through like all of my failures. But as I learned to follow God, this is what he's telling me. is like, as you obey my commandments, I'm meeting you there. There's a crazy back and forth that as we obey, he's shaping us there. And he's meeting us there. He manifests himself to us as we obey. That's awesome. Like he's meeting me when I do good to shape me and mold me there. So much so it's not even me who's doing it. It's him in me. Oh, that makes me feel amazing. That is crazy. He's, he's, he's meeting us there and he's shaping us there. And there's still a warfare in my heart and yet he longs to meet me there. So the text goes on, he says, the law of sin is, is making me captive, that, that there's still two influences in every Christian's heart. There's still going to be two influences. There's still going to be the wrestle between the spirit and the flesh. And even in the Apostle Paul, it's going to happen in the Apostle Paul. But no one is going to live out the law perfectly. But you know what that means is we're not going to live out the law perfectly. We're not perfect, but it means God ain't done. God ain't done with you. God's like, I'm going to work in that mess. That's a beautiful thing. The beautiful power of the law is the Spirit's ability to wrestle. Come on. That's great. I'm a wrestling coach, man. Come on. The Spirit loves to wrestle. That's great. Dead men don't wrestle. Dead men don't wrestle. When I was in my sin, I didn't wrestle with with, with, if I offended God. I wrestled with how does this affect me when I get caught in my brokenness or I offend somebody. How does it offend me? No, but dead men don't wrestle. And when you're alive to God, he wrestles with that wickedness in you. He wrestles with the flesh. He longs to be living through you and in, in you. This is an amazing truth. Dead men don't wrestle. But when you're alive to God, the spirit is wrestling you day and night. And we wage war against our sin joyfully in the wrestle. Two ways. We, we, we joyfully, joyfully wage war. We always remind ourselves of Philippians 1.6. It says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And we can see him at work in two ways. One is that as we wage war against our sin, we have to be people who are more spiritually mature as we recognize our sin. That your growth in Christ is recognizing your brokenness. Like that you're, you're maturing in Christ when you can see your sin more clearly every moment and every day. Like if you knew you sinned before you came here this morning, you're growing in Christ. It's knowing how spiritually mature you are. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. They know they have nothing in their flesh. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. John the Baptist says, he must increase and I must decrease. See, this is the beauty of it, is that that we begin to understand it's not about us. We're wicked. But he's in us and he's moving. And we see our sin way clearly more and more every day. And this is why I'm so angry about Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. And I'm going to make this make sense. I'm a Jets fan. And I, 
I, when the Jets do bad, I do better. Because I don't, I don't like football like that. My uncles played in the NFL. I grew up with football. I love football. I love it. It's great. So I love it. I grew up in football. But wrestling has my heart. I want, you want to talk to me about, like a fan, talk about wrestling. You talk about football to me, I'm like, I, I, listen, I don't care. I don't care about Aaron Rodgers. I don't care what's he going to do. I don't care. I really don't. And so when people talk about it, it's like, oh, let's talk about the Jets. I'm like, I don't want to talk about the Jets. I'm a cultural fan. I'm not a diehard fan. I love them because I grew up with them, but I, I don't love the Jets. And like, you know what? This is how I want to be with my soul. Like, I'm, I'm asking myself, I'm asking you, do you have an Aaron Rodgers for your soul this morning? Do you have something that you're like, yeah, look at my, look, look, there might, look, you might have something here. You might have something going on here in your soul. And, and God's word's like, no, you're evil. No, nothing good comes from our flesh. It's the first way we, we wage war. You belong to another. You don't need an Aaron Rodgers for your soul. And two, we fight against our sin through the gospel of Jesus Christ that every time we cry out, wretched man, who will deliver us from our sin? Who will deliver us from this body of death? Every time we come to the brokenness of ourselves, we look to the deliverer. We look to the one who's going to deliver us from these grave clothes. Like we're going to throw off grave clothes. Isaiah 61.3 says, to grant those who mourn in Zion, those who are mourning over their sin and their wickedness, to those who are mourning in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they shall be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. See, I wage war against my sin through the power of the law, knowing that he is the one who is going to change my heart. I'm going to do it through the good news of his death, burial, and resurrection, that he lived a perfect life. He died in my place. He gives me that righteousness. And as he rose from the grave, he rose me to new life. And I'm going to preach that gospel over myself. I'm going to take off these garments of ashes. I'm going to put on a garment of praise. Ephesians 6 says, be strong in the Lord and in his, and in his might. And it says that we wage war against principalities. And we take up the truth. We take up his word. We clothe ourselves in his righteousness that he earned for us and not ourselves. We preach the good news of reconciliation that the son had died in our place that we might have peace with the father that we're brought into the family and we rest in that truth. And we guard our minds with the assurance of our salvation that on that cross he said, it is finished. But you know what? I'm not finished and you're not finished. And I'm going to intercede for you and I'm going to be advocating for you to fight against your sin. And I'm going to battle every temptation and kill sin with the word of God, the spirit of the, the sword of the spirit, which is his word. When Jesus fought against, the, against Satan, he said, it is written. And when David fell in his sin, when he repents in Psalm 51, he says, God, I did this, but your word says this. We fight against sin with the word of God and we pray to a God who listens because he's our father, because we come in the name of the son. We love the influencing power of the law over the law of sin in our lives because we know the perfecter of the law. We know the perfecter. We know the one who lived it perfectly. We know him and we seek him. He's our rock and our salvation. Lastly, the perfection of the law. The perfection of the law is coming to Christ. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you coming to Christ or are you running from him in your sin? 
Are you running to him or are you running from him in your sin? He's our only hope. In verse 24, Paul says, who will save me from this body of death? Paul is seeking for a champion. He's someone who, he's crying out, whose victory will give me victory? He's looking for a David to slay a Goliath. And in Christ Jesus, we know that he came on that donkey into Jerusalem, not on a white horse, but on a donkey to show I come to bring peace. And he's saying, I'm coming to be king and I'm coming to win this war, but I'm not going to do it through my strength. I'm going to do it through my weakness. I'm not here to dethrone the Romans. I'm here to dethrone the sin in your heart. I'm here to dethrone Satan's ability to, 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 to wretch your heart and make you this way you are and, and the brokenness that, you, that comes out of your heart. He's saying, I come to this cross to bear your evil. I lived and I came to earth to live a perfect life, to fulfill the law, that it won't be thrown away, that it will be fulfilled, and I'm going to take your place for breaking it. And on that cross, he was poor. And on that cross, he was mourning. And on that cross, he was meek. And when he cried out to the Father, the Father looked at him and said, you're the wretched man. You're the wretched man. And he died in my place that when I looked to him, I could say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And every day of my life, I longed to, to, to say the words of Matthew 21, 9 that says, Hosanna to the son of David, the true and better David, the true champion for the victory that I need. Hosanna, come and save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And I will praise his name. And every single day I'll continue on with Paul where I say I myself serve the law of God with my mind, meaning that every single day as I see the splitness within myself, I'm going to preach myself this gospel, this good news that he took my place and he rose from that grave. And death could not hold him and death will not touch me, will not see me. And every single day as I'm broken in my wickedness, I will know that he has grace for me and he covers me with that grace. See, Patsy thought, she was crazy holding on to some guy who had eyes for different people. But truly, but truly, that's us. We're crazy trying to hold on to Jesus. We think that his eyes wander from us, but truly the truth of the gospel is that his eyes never wander from us. He set his face to Jerusalem. He came to take our place. And we don't ever have to feel crazy trying to hold on to Jesus because the truth of the matter is he's holding on to us. It's his hands holding on to us. And with all reverence, I say his love is crazy. Not insanity, but incomprehensible. His love for us, it does not make any sense. But it's beautiful and it's good. And he didn't try to hold on to us. He did. And he did it with his tears. I'm praying that that truth catches fire in your soul. And that every day of your life, you'd sing Hosanna. Come. Come again. Come Come and make all things new. Come. Glory to you in the highest. Because when he comes again, he will come on a horse of white. On the clouds. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality and we will live with our king forever and ever and still in every single moment and every single day for 10,000 years, we will say thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ because his is the victory and now for 10,000 years, we'd only had just begun singing the beauty of his praise. He deserves all praise. He's worthy of all praise.
Church, let me read verses 1 through 4 in chapter 8 for you. And we'll pray. God's word continues and says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Walk in the newness of life. Sing Hosanna with me. Praise the son of David who comes to set us free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Romans. I thank you for the way you speak through Paul. God, I pray that we just recognize that you're with us. That you came down and put on flesh and you know our temptations and you know everything and and you know how we are, but yet you love us in this crazy way that you die for us in our place. Let that so transform us. Let us walk out of this room by the Spirit, applying grace to our heart as you apply grace to us. Let's be so graceful with ourselves and graceful with others because that's how your heart is moving in us and through us. Let us always be reminded of your presence. We thank you that you're with us. Remove us from ourselves and live in us and through us. By the power of your Spirit, let us walk in the newness of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.